0: Your time right now is six o'clock and welcome to WORT's live local news for Monday, February 26th, 2024. I'm your host, Sam Swartz.
1: And I'm your host, Rachel Fields. In tonight's news...
0: The Middleton community holds a vigil to mourn the loss of two young lives.
1: A state agency may soon be in charge of local campaign finance filings.
0: And in the second half, local government's calendar for the week, a retrospective on America's most revolutionary mayor, and how how-to guide on a simple cocktail, and of course, a movie review. This is Sam Swartz and Rachel Fields with your local news coming to you live from the WORT studios in beautiful downtown Madison. Here are your headlines.
1: The Wisconsin Ethics Commission has recommended that charges be filed against a fundraising committee for former President Donald Trump for evading campaign campaign finance laws in 2022, reports the Associated Press. The recommendations come after the commission found that the fundraising committee conspired with state representative janelle Branchin to evade finance laws in an effort to support a primary challenger to state speaker robin voss as part of the money laundering scheme the fundraising committee gave to county republican parties which have no donation cap but earmarked that money to be spent on a particular candidate which is illegal the committee has asked that county prosecutors file charges If no charges are brought, the Ethics Commission has indicated it may escalate to the Wisconsin Department of Justice.
0: Senate Majority Leader Devin LeMayhew has indicated he is unlikely to bring a vote to a bill designed to help election clerks begin processing absentee ballots early. The bill was authored in part by LeMayhew himself and had previously passed in the state assembly, but it was killed in committee by Senator Dan Knoddle of Germantown who cited security concerns around the measure, reports the Milwaukee State Journal. LeMayhew has the option of bringing the bill before the Senate despite the committee's actions, but implied that he would not do so in a statement on Thursday. The bill was designed to ease time pressure put on election clerks during election day when they have to process large numbers of absentee ballots. Previously, those ballots were processed in large chunks, leading to conspiracies around vote dumping that are unsubstantiated
1: senate candidate eric hovde a republican running to unseat tammy baldwin in the fall election released a statement today affirming that he supports access to in vitro fertilization treatments reports the milwaukee journal sentinel the statement comes in response to an alabama supreme court decision late last week that categorized frozen embryos used in ivf treatment as children with legal protections The National Republican Senatorial Committee responded to the decision, urging Republican candidates to distance themselves from the Alabama Supreme Court's position, as IVF is extremely popular, even among Republicans' constituencies. Previously, Hovde has been critical of embryonic stem cell research and has called himself quote, totally opposed to abortion, unquote. Hovde is the first candidate to announce themselves for the Republican ticket, with primary elections scheduled for August.
0: Temperatures in Madison are projected to hit record highs today and tomorrow for this time of year, reports the Wisconsin State Journal, with expected highs in the mid-60s. That comes as part of the mildest winter on record for much of the Midwest, with temperatures this this February being on average 10 degrees higher than the historic norm. The warm weather comes in part due to the El Nino weather phenomenon, where the Pacific Ocean has elevated temperatures, thus changing weather patterns across much of the United States. Snowfall has also been unusually low this year, as well as the number of days that the lakes have been frozen. Exactly how unusual this year has been will be more clear as the winter winds down.
1: The Madison School District has selected Joe Gothard as the next school superintendent. The announcement this afternoon brings the months-long candidate search to a close. It also comes hours before the Madison Board of Education is slated to vote in a special meeting before their regular board meeting to approve his contract. Gothard previously served as the superintendent of schools in St. Paul, Minnesota, as well as superintendent of secondary schools in Madison. This year, Gothar was named National Superintendent of the Year by the American Association of School Administrators. Pending his acceptance of the contract, Gothar would start no later than July 1st.
0: In more education news, Middleton Cross Plains schools were closed today following a network disruption that prevented the use of internet and phone services, reports WKOW. The district says they are investigating the issue and have solicited the help of external cybersecurity professionals. It's unclear right now whether the outage was the result of technical issues or a targeted attack. A Middleton Board of Education meeting today was canceled, according to an unsigned online post. Students are expected to return tomorrow.
1: And those were your local news headlines. We turn now to two special guests joining us this evening. Jess Miller and Sarah Gabler are in the studio, and they want to tell you a little something about our WORT pledge drive.
2: Thanks so much for listening to the local news. Today is the first day of WART's uh, winter pledge drive. I know it feels like spring out there, but this is our winter pledge drive happening for the next couple of weeks. We are asking you to help support community radio radio and help support WART through a donation. The theme of this year's pledge drive is another weirdo for WART. We know that WART produces radio for sort of the off-color members of our community. We know that our coverage is a little bit off the beaten path. And as a result of that, we don't have the benefit of corporate sponsorship or a lot of uh, big funding sources. So we are asking you to donate here. And uh, we thought Sarah and I, we were both local news reporters, uh, would share a little bit about ourselves and, and how we got involved with WART to start. Sarah, how did you get involved with WART?
3: Yeah, I started volunteering at Wart as a local news reporter because I think Wart is weird and wonderful. It's the kind of place where you're going to get the independent journalism that you can't get on a lot of other stations that you know have a corporate sponsor or, you know, somebody pulling the strings. Our shows, our reporting is really dictated by you, the listener. Like what what matters to you and what's happening in our local community. And that's something I care about. So I started volunteering as a local news reporter i go out every thursday collect stories i talk to folks and um i they're broadcast on the 6 p.m local news the show you're listening to right now um, yeah, Jess, how did you get your start at WART?
2: Yeah, similar, similar experience. I also am a volunteer uh, local news reporter. I moved to Madison a couple of years ago and uh, realized that it was a really weird and wonderful place to be. And I wanted to be involved with telling the stories of Madison. I'm actually a graduate student at UW Madison for journalism right now. And uh being a local news reporter at WART is such a valuable learning experience for me, and uh, it really is such a pleasure to be able to give back to the community that I love so much.
3: Yeah, it's a great learning opportunity to get some new skills and um, contribute to the community, like you say, and that's such a valuable thing in a in a climate in a culture where independent news, where fact-based news is short in supply. You know, this This station is putting out um, stories. At, you know, the local news is an hour-long show, Monday through Thursday, every day of the week, where you can really get plugged into what's happening here in southern Wisconsin, where you can find out the stories that matter to you and your neighborhood, Um, and that's that's a precious thing and we want you to support that we want you to join us in our love for wart um all the weirdos out there for wart give us a call we want to hear from you and the number to reach us at is 608-256-2001 extension 1 somebody is out there waiting to take your call to get that donation from you we would love to hear from you four of you actually this hour you can yes. also donate online at wartfm.org, right, Jess?
2: That's exactly right. Like Sarah said, we are looking for four people, just four people, to donate this hour during the local news program. That means one donation every 15 minutes. You personally could make a huge difference in the operation of your community radio station in just 15 minutes. Give us a call at 608 256 Two zero zero one extension one we've got folks who are eagerly awaiting to take your call and we will be happy to say your name on the air if you'd like us to or you can remain anonymous if you have a message that you'd like broadcast on air we would be happy to send a message out on air on your behalf or if you want to donate online that website is FM, w-o-r-t-f-m Dot org you can click the big orange donate button in top right or click on the banner and we're looking for at least four folks to donate sometime this hour you can make a one-time donation or you can set up a recurring donation every month and we've got some exciting incentives for you to do that isn't that right sarah
3: oh yeah yeah we want to show you some love too some thank yous i really sport my wart patch it's an orange microphone with a black background it said It says Wart 89.9 FM, and everywhere I go around town, people compliment me on this. They know that I support Wart, and uh,
1: you can grab one of those too.
2: Put it on a hat, put it on a bag, put it wherever you want. You're listening to the local news, and we'll be back in a few minutes with some more pledges.
1: And now, back to the news. Two Sundays ago, the Middleton community was rocked by a shooting inside a Maywood Avenue apartment that killed two young children. The community sprung into action and organized a vigil, which was rescheduled to the weekend after a groundswell of interest. More than 50 members of the community gathered together, mourning the loss of two young lives. This weekend, WORT reporter Ella Saf headed out to Middleton's Lakeview Park to attend the vigil.
4: Maya and Major Lacey Robinson were 8 and 5 years old. Police have just released the name of their mother, Jessica Jessman, who they say shot and killed Maya and Major before taking her own life in their Middleton apartment. This past weekend, community members gathered for a vigil to celebrate the lives of Maya and Major. Elected officials, teachers, classmates, friends, and family gathered in Lakeview Park on Saturday to pray, sing, and cry together. Michael Johnson, president of the Dane County Boys and Girls Club, summed up why so many people were gathered outside on a cold night. The lives of young people must be protected because we need them uh, to grow um, old,
5: like us. We need them to lead, like us. We need them to become principals, clergy, lawyers, doctors, presidents, mayors, and on and on and on. Our babies deserve to live.
4: Middleton police say Jessman also shot Maya and Major's father, Sadale Lacey Robinson, who was hospitalized but is no longer in intensive care. But at the vigil, neither parent was mentioned. The focus was entirely on Maya and Major and helping the Middleton community heal. Cromary Middle School Principal Dom Ricks said the Middleton School District mobilized immediately in response to this tragedy.
6: This type of thing should never happen.
0: And our school district's response immediately was to take care of our people. That's the students, that's the families, that's the staff that love on the students every day.
4: Maya and Major attended Sock Trail Elementary School. Sock Trail parents and teachers were in attendance at the vigil to show support. Alexis Anderson, a parent of a Sock Trail student, was left speechless by the death of her child's classmates. I mean, there's no words.
3: Yeah. I mean, we're all traumatized, and now our kids have to walk this. Um, they're doing the best, though. I think Stock Trail has been amazing, bringing in therapy dogs every day, um, supporting these kids. Um, but as parents, this is probably the worst thing to happen for a kindergartner.
4: Middleton District 4 Alder Jennifer Cole shared mental health resources and reminded the crowd that they had a community to support them in times of need.
7: I just want to remind our community that hope is out there. Our very human struggles. Do not need to end in any list of gun violence like we've witnessed this week, so I want to remind folks of resources like 988, the Suicide and Crisis Line. We should all know it and memorize it as well as we do 911.
4: Maya and Major's uncle has put together an online fundraiser to pay for funeral services, counseling services to help the families cope, and other needs. The GoFundMe fundraiser will be linked in the online version of this story. As of Monday afternoon, the fundraiser has raised more than half of its $25,000 goal. Reporting for WORT News, I'm Ella Saf.
0: A bill that would put the state in charge of local campaign finance filings is headed to the governor's desk. WORT News producer Faye Parks has the story.
7: Thanks to an 11th hour vote on the assembly floor last Thursday, campaign finance reports from across the state may soon be accessible on a single platform. Right now, candidates running for state office are required to disclose their campaign finances to the Wisconsin Ethics Commission. Those reports detail where the candidate's money comes from and how it's spent. The Commission then makes that information available to the public via a sometimes finicky online portal. But when it comes to local offices, campaign finance reports go through a different process. Candidates running for their area's school board, city council, or county board, to name a few, file reports with their local clerk. For example, if you want details on a Madison Common Council candidate's spending, you would find them through the Madison City Clerk, which posts them online. Meanwhile, if you want to access that same information on a county board candidate, you would go to the Dane County Clerk. According to Rock County Clerk Lisa Tullifson, that can make it complicated for folks who want to investigate political spending locally. You'd have to request it from your clerks, and there's a lot of different small offices that that would have to cover. You've got your town clerks, your village clerks, your city clerks, your school district clerks. There's a lot of different local clerks. And many clerks in rural communities still file finance reports on paper, compounding the lack of accessibility. That's in large part due to spotty broadband access across the state. According to the latest report from the state's Public Service Commission, just shy of 11% of households and businesses in Wisconsin lack basic broadband service. According to Tullifson, Rock County officials have struggled with broadband access, but they're seeing some modest gains. I can tell the lines are getting put in and my clerks, more and more of them are getting faster service. So that's, that's a huge piece to get that through the rest of our state. With this slow-moving transition to computers, state lawmakers have approved a bipartisan proposal that would put the Wisconsin Ethics Commission in charge of all election finance filings. In late January, Tullifson submitted testimony in support of the bill, writing that it would make elections more transparent on all levels of government in the state. Everyone could see it in one location with this bill. But Tullifson did have some concerns about the bill's first draft. Namely, that it would seriously increase the Ethics Commission's workload. Currently, the commission handles campaign finance filings for just under 500 statewide candidate contests. If this bill is signed into law, according to Tullifson, their workload would increase by more than 15,000 races. And originally, the bill only added three more ethics employees to handle this sudden deluge of paperwork. An amendment from the State Assembly, Tullifson says, addresses her concerns. It pushes the implementation deadline back from July of 2024 to July of 2025. The Ethics Commission can use that extra year to assess their budgetary and staffing needs to implement the change. I know that the Ethics Commission is putting it in a new uh, computer system to handle all of this, and it gives them time to get training for the clerks, because we know the clerks are the ones that are going to be training all the candidates how to use it. Dan Carleton is Administrator of the Wisconsin Ethics Commission. He declined WORT's request for an interview, stating that the commission has not taken a position on the bill. Meanwhile, the Wisconsin Towns Association and the League of Wisconsin Municipalities have both registered in support. The amended bill passed unanimously in the State Assembly on Thursday during a behemoth session as lawmakers aim to wrap up most of their lawmaking for the year. The State Senate which had already approved the original bill, adopted the Assembly's amendment on Friday. The bill now heads to the governor's desk. Reporting for WORT News, I'm Faye Parks. It's now
1: 6.23 p.m. and you're listening to the live local news on WORT. We turn now to two special guests in the studio, Jess Miller and Sarah Gabler, who want to tell you a little something more about the WORT Fall Pledge Drive.
3: Yes, you are listening to the WORT Winter Pledge Drive, though. It feels like spring out there. We are here to connect you with your local radio station, WORT. I'm Sarah Gabler here with Jess Miller. We are two local news reporters at the station, right?
2: That's right, Sarah.
3: Yeah. Um, so you can hear us weekly on the station. Um at this time you know and we want to tell you a little bit why we think local reporting matters just why why do you care about local reporting here
2: yeah absolutely i mean i think one of the things that makes warts really exceptional in madison madison's got a lot of great media but Wart is really one of the only places i can think of where you can hear such an interesting variety of programming such in-depth reporting from community members themselves this is Fully community supported radio. Uh, and um, yeah, it, we do things a little bit weird around here, I'd say. And that's why the theme for this winter's pledge drive is another weirdo for warts. If you give us a call at 608 256 2001 Extension 1, or visit us online at WORTFM.org, you can donate today to help support your local community radio station, and you yourself can become a Weirdo for Wart. We have many exciting incentives to encourage you to get those donations in, including new for this year a hoodie with a design by P.S. Mueller uh, with a little cartoon original for Wart that. That says another weirdo for Wart. Show off your pride in Wart and you can wear that sweatshirt around. We're looking for four folks to donate this hour.
3: Yeah, please give us a call. Show your support for the local news. You're listening because you care about what happens in your community. The stories of tragedy, of like local school children. And also the stories about local politics, bills in and le- and the legislature that are gonna impact you. Um, that you. The stories that you've just heard tonight are stories that we can cover because we're out in the field on a, weekly ba- on a daily basis. I'm here once a week, you're here once a week. But folks, the reporters here are out in the field um, bringing those stories to you. And you want to be informed. We know that's why you listen. You want to be informed about what's happening in this community.
2: Absolutely. It can seem today that there are not a lot of places to put your trust in local news, local reporting, but uh, take it from us. We are down here every day and uh, turning out excellent. Uh, I think the term that we use sometimes in our news break is handcrafted community radio, and I think that's a really great way to describe it.
3: Yeah. And my goodness, we have a donation from Lila. Tilla. Tilla. I'm so sorry, Tilla. Thank you for for calling. Tilla from Madison, um, giving us a very generous donation. You love the Mellon Floyd show, news, a musical offering, and Democracy Now. We're so glad that you called to give us some support. And you want to say you have a message for us. Our community voices are so very important right now, especially to preserve our democracy. Yes, that's very true. And we are so grateful that you... uh, Gave us a call. And thank you, Susan, for bringing that to us. Thank you, Tilla.
0: You
2: just have another half hour or so to be like Tilla. We are are looking for a few more folks to donate this hour. That number, again, to call is 608-256-2001, extension 1. You can talk to Susan, and maybe we'll say your name live on air. Or you can go to our website, wortfm.org. Click on that big orange donate button in the top right corner. You couldn't miss it and uh, make your donation and pick uh, one of our amazing incentives that you can get and uh, show your support for wart, wear it on your sleeve, put it on your car, do whatever you'd like with it.
3: Yeah, I wear my wart patch all the time. <laughs> yeah, and you know, what? what's really important about um, what you're listening to, this show in particular, the local news, is that you're staying informed on impactful things in your community that that really matter to you and to your neighbors to the kids at your school to the folks that you work with Um, the stories that are going to matter to you handcrafted right here on Bedford Street by Jess and I (laughs)
2: And all of our other fantastic news producers that you are listening to right now, our engineers, our news hosts, it truly takes a village, folks. So please call or go online to donate, wortfm.org, or call 608-256-2001. And now we'll go back to the local news.
0: The time right now is 6.32 and you're listening to The Local News on WORT 89.9 FM Madison. I'm your host, Sam Swartz, here with my co-host, Rachel Fields. Thanks for joining us.
1: It's Monday night. Do you know where your government is and what it's doing? It's time now for Forward Lookout.
8: And with me now is Brenda Conkle, and we're going to preview what's happening this week in local government. Hello, Brenda. Hey,
5: Dylan. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Good. 530
8: today, we have the Personnel and Finance Committee for Dane County, and they have a pretty lengthy agenda. So, yeah, what are they talking about?
5: They do. They um, have a lot of routine items on their agenda. They have some affordable housing projects, they're purchasing some properties. They are encouraging Dane County's contractors and vendors to work with local high road employers. They are also signing a contract with Greater Madison Convention and Visitors Bureau. The Sheriff's Department is getting some funding that looks a little strange. It is for tactical explosive breacher certification training um, and some other things. You might want to take a look at that if you're interested in where the money goes. There's also an affordable housing project and Salary adjustments for the county clerk, register of deeds, and treasurer.
8: Huh? Probably going up.
5: Yeah, they are also uh, raising the county executive salary by about forty-five to fifty-five thousand.
8: Wow! Yeah, they really should index these things so it's not <laughs> so much at
5: once. Well, that, that's kind of what they did. They they indexed it over four years, but um, the, it's going from like one thirty to one eighty, so it's a big jump in the beginning. I think it's because they don't look at it very often um and a lot has changed in the employment world in the last 4 years. <laughs>
8: I mean darn me and why me or you shoulda run.
5: <laughs> right? <laughs> totally.
8: <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, also on the county's agenda this week is the Parks Commission at 5:30 on Wednesday. So, they will be um uh, looks like they'll be awarding some contracts and some grants and stuff.
5: Yep, the park and ride grants which are for I think a lot of that gets used for bike trails. Um, and then they'll also be looking at um, though they'll, they'll be getting a couple of presentations, one on conservation fund grant application for the town of down lower mud Lake. And then they also are looking at another grant application for the Driftless area. And then they are going to be looking at, they're getting a presentation about the update and future of the walking iron trail.
8: Well, we our time is short today. So let's move on to the city of Madison and the finance committee. It meets at four 30 today. They're, in the talk you know we're in budget season already started early this year so not exactly on the agenda but a lot going on with the finance committee this week
5: yeah one thing budget related that will be at the end of the meeting will be a presentation from the finance department on the 2024 internal audit plan so i'm sure that's got some budget implications there Um, there's also some dissolving of a TIF district um, for stoughton road um, which also impacts the budget and then they are um, giving some loans for some rehabs of some buildings. Oh, they're going to be expanding the use of Warner Park Stadium um, so that they can have women's college summer softball. So that, that will be interesting for the neighborhood to adjust to some more games there. And they are also going to be looking at expanding the Capital City path as well as the West Town path, again, bike paths.
8: Next up, the Plan Commission will meet virtually at 530 And they just got a few projects they're considering right
5: they do um two of them probably not as controversial as the third but there's one at 5525 tradesman drive 5702 south hill drive and then uh the demolition of five commercial buildings at 115 to 125 west wilson for the uh historical museum which could be a little bit controversial tonight and then they are also going to be looking at underground and site parking requirements and making some changes.
8: Moving on now to Wednesday at 5 p.m., the Transportation Commission doing some stuff on BRT, right?
5: They are. They are always working on that, it seems. But they are going to be signing an agreement with Dane County for the installation, maintenance, maintenance and uh, um, operation of the signals for the BRT West Terminal on Junction Road. They'll also probably some things that might be of interest, e-bike speeds on shared use paths could be of interest. Also the transportation improvement plan, which is a five year plan for all the road projects. Um, This is the starting point. So if it's in there, it's gonna probably get done. It might get delayed a year or two, but it's gonna be done. Um, If it's not in there, it's a little bit harder to get projects done in the future. So that's a really good thing for people to be looking at if they're interested in road projects.
8: Well, Brenda, if people want to check out what's happening this week in Dane County or City of Madison Government, they can head on over to forwardlookout.com to see all the meetings and agenda items. And we really appreciate you putting it together and just walking us through what's happening.
5: Thanks, Dylan.
0: Yesterday, February twenty fifth, was the tenth anniversary of Shokwe Lamumba's death in Jackson, Mississippi. On this week's The Past Isn't Past, feature contributor Harry Richardson has the story on the man dubbed America's most revolutionary mayor. For Joe Hill and Cesar Chavez, who fought in their own time, for our brothers and our sisters up and down that picket line, for the unnamed and unnumbered who struggled brave and
6: long,
9: for the union men and women. Standing up and standing strong. Yesterday, February 25th, is the anniversary of the death of Shokwe La Mumba in 2014. La Mumba was a longtime black nationalist, organizer, and lawyer. La Mumba had become America's most revolutionary mayor. Working with the Malcolm X grassroots movement, the People's Assembly, a neighborhood based participatory democracy group, and the Mississippi Disaster Relief Coalition, which he helped convene after Hurricane Katrina, La Mumba ran successfully for mayor. La Mumba Overcame the incumbent mayor and another candidate with vastly more funds in the Democratic primary in 2013. He easily won the general election in the very democratic city. He was born Edwin Finley Talafaro in Detroit on August 2, 1947. He still remembered the horror he felt as an eight-year-old when his mother showed him a magazine picture of the brutalized body of 14-year-old Emmett Till. Till had been murdered in Mississippi after being accused of flirting with a white woman. He remembers being with his mom when she passed out literature for the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. Like thousands of African Americans, he was radicalized by Dr martin luther king jr's assassination in nineteen sixty eight and changed his name to shokwe lamumba shokwe was the name of one of the last african ethnic groups to resist the slave trade he took the name lamumba from patrice lamumba who led what became the democratic republic of congo's successful revolution against Belgium in 1960. He became a lawyer in the early 70s and joined the black nationalist group The Republic for a New Africa. He was deeply involved in numerous political and legal campaigns. As an attorney, his clients have included former Black Panther Ashanta Shakur and the late hip-hop artist Tupac Shakur. Lamumba was the VP of The Republic of New Africa, which advocated for an independent, predominantly black government in the southeastern U.S. and reparations for slavery. He also helped found the Malcolm X grassroots movement. Since 1990, Lumumba has been involved in many youth programs that helped hundreds finish high school and college. Lumumba worked statewide to defend many racial abuse victims. His organizations helped thousands of Hurricane Katrina survivors. In a Jacobin Magazine article, he remembered working with many civil rights groups, especially those helping the wrongfully convicted. We united with a very progressive ACLU movement in Mississippi at the time with the NAACP, who worked on many of these projects. Fifty prisoners had been killed in jail over a five-year period in the state, so we got involved in that project and exposed that in several instances there were not all victims of suicide as had been claimed. Lumumba planned to use city-funded economic development to rebuild the city's infrastructure employ city residents and city jobs, mandate subcontracts go to minorities, and build worker co-ops, among other reforms. Tragically, after only seven months in office, Shokwe Lumumba died in an apparent heart attack. But in 2017, his son, Shokwe Antar Lumumba, became mayor of Jackson. He and the social movement his father gave his life for continued the good fight for a better Jackson for all. And that is our story for today. For The Past and the Past, I'm Harry Richardson.
1: We turn now to two special guests in the studio, Jess Miller and Sarah Gabler, who are going to give you some updates on the WORT pledge drive so
2: far. And welcome back to WORT's winter pledge drive. And since we last spoke to you, we have received a very generous donation. Thank you so much to Harry in Madison. Your donation is going to go to supporting your community radio station, WORT. And we have another donation, right, Sarah?
3: Yes, we do have an online donation. So thank you, Nicholas. Um, Thank you, Nicholas from Madison, for giving your generous donation to support your local radio station and supporting the local news, the six o'clock local news. Um, We're so, so happy um, that you folks have called in. And um, we want to tell you why we love local reporting here, why um, both Jess and I are reporters for the local news, the six o'clock local news. And we love bringing stories that come from our backyards to the airwaves. And I'll start here telling you a little bit about um, a story that I've reported on recently that really uh, got me energized. So a couple weeks ago, you'll remember the big snow we got. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, I um, I got to go out with a group of scientists to Starkweather Creek to test the waters in the creek for the chloride levels. The chloride was coming from the road salt that had been applied to the roads and the sidewalks by the city, by folks in the neighborhood. And the scientists were trying to track how those chloride levels um, spiked. And of course, they were spiking the day you know after the storm. Um, they found that the levels were toxic at that time. But the scientists were really trying to uncover what, would, what happens to the wildlife and what would happen to human health as these chloride levels um, increase and start to accumulate in the waterways. And that felt like a story like... You know the weather happens to all of us. It's in our backyard, but but thinking about the long term effects of some of these salt applications um, really serves the public interest, right? It really informs people, It helps them make better decisions about their own salt application process, and maybe gets you energized to um, tell other people about what's going on in in the environment. In your neighborhood
2: absolutely so if we do get any more snow this year which seems doubtful just make sure that you are being mindful of your salt application
3: absolutely and Jess, what do you have something to share with us
2: yeah there's definitely a a lot of stories that stick out in my mind that i've gotten to report for wart uh, and really one of the most memorable ones was the very first story that i reported for wart back in october it was uh profile on a member of the Hoofer sailing club who is uh, a little bit uh, unusual for that group he's a, a 93 year old his name's Joe and uh, Joe has been in instructing at the Hoofer sailing Club for years and years and he donated some money to them to help restore some old boats and uh, I actually got to go out and, and talk to Joe and, and uh, do a little bit of sailing with him and that was a, a really incredible moment to get to meet him and, and to tell that story to uh, to the community
3: yeah that's awesome yeah so if you want to sp- support the stories like jess and i produce every week the stories that you're hearing on the news tonight give us a call. We want to talk to you. We want to hear about why you love WORT, why you're a weirdo for warts. The number to call is 608-256-2001, extension 1. You can also go online like Nicholas did. You can go to wortfm.org and click that orange button. We're here till the top of the hour and we want you to help us meet our fundraising goals so that we can continue to provide you with the programming that matters to you and that matters to us.
2: Yes, and among the many wonderful incentives that are available to you when you make a donation is a hoodie by uh, with an illustration by P. S. Mueller. Now there are many ways that you might know P. S. Mueller. He was a longtime cartoonist for the Isthmus. He has contributed his vocal talents to the Onion. But uh, we just heard from our uh, news director Shali that. P.S. Mueller is famous for another reason. He has donated his vocal talents to Family Guy. If you're a fan of that show, and uh, I imagine a lot of Wart listeners are, you might recognize P.S. Mueller's voice on Family Guy. And you can own a very own hoodie with a cartoon by P.S. Mueller that says, Another Weirdo for Wart. This is an exclusive hoodie for Wart, and you can only get it through the pledge drive here. Call 608-256-2001, extension 1, and talk to someone here in the studio, or you can go to our website, wortfm.org, click on that big orange donate button in the top right corner, and make your donation.
3: Yeah, yeah, we want to hear from you. And we're going to get back to the local news here in just a second, Um, but your support Of WORT helps us keep these microphones running to keep those airwaves full of the stories that matter to you. Some of our, you know, some of the support that you're giving us is keeping the roof on our head and keeping those airwaves running and getting microphones into the hands of Jess and I so we can go out into the field, literally.
2: Absolutely. (laughs) I definitely did not realize how much work it took to run a radio station before I started here. Uh, WART is run by over 300 volunteers like me and Sarah, and you can make a difference here in the next 15 minutes
0: by calling us or going online. But for now, we'll go back to the local news.
1: And now back to the news.
0: The 7 & 7 is a staple in bars across the country, and you may have heard of it. But where does it come from, and how is it made? Reporter Charlie Bieloski has the details in this edition of Madison Mixology. Hello everyone and welcome back
6: to Madison Mixology. I'm your host and favorite reporter, Charlie Bieloski. Today I have a quick and easy cocktail for you to try, the 7 and 7. You may have heard of this drink before if you frequent bars or maybe even at a restaurant. It's been around since the 1950s thanks to a collaboration between the 7-Up Soda brand and Seagram's Distillery. The cocktail was conceived to help promote and highlight Seagram 7 Crown Whiskey, using the lemon-lime soda to complement its smooth flavor. The population of 7 & 7 peaked in the 1970s, thanks to its simplicity in preparation and refreshing flavor. As bars and restaurants adopted the new drink to their menus, it became a common choice for consumers. Making this drink is incredibly simple. To start, grab a glass and add some ice. Then, you want to add one and a half to two ounces of Seagram 7 Whiskey. To finish it off, add about four ounces of 7-Up Soda. Now that we got our drink, it's time to taste test. Down the hatch! I, I suppose I was expecting the whiskey to be a lot sharper. And a lot more warm going down the throat, but in all reality, with the 7-Up mixed in, it's incredibly pleasant. It really brings out, you know, a really sweet taste, and it's more like just kind of boozy 7-Up, to be completely honest. The flavors help bring each other out more, I guess, both for the 7-Up and for the Seagram 7. The Seagram 7, well, the 7 and 7 itself isn't really a go-to drink for me, but I have to say it is not bad, not at all. It's uh, very good, actually. very pleasant. Um, citrusy refreshing. Over time, the original 7 and 7 recipe has evolved and changed in new and interesting ways. Uh, one example is the ginger 7 and 7, which incorporates ginger ale for seven up and uh, the Southern 7-and-7, 7 7, which incorporates bourbon in the place of the blended whiskey. Uh, there's other ones too, like the Raspberry 7-Up, where you like throw in a splash of, you know, raspberry liqueur, or even a 7-and-7 7 7 with grenadine as well, which is, uh, it adds a nice kind of cherry splash to the citrusy taste. Try this easy combination for yourself, and I'll see you next week with another great cocktail. I'm your host, Charlie Bilowski, and this has been another installment of Madison Mixology.
1: We'll now hear Harry Richardson's review of a 2005 action-adventure spoof. Mr. and Mrs. Smith follows two professional assassins as they navigate their complicated marriage. With the film being reimagined as a TV series, Harry thought now would be a great time to check out the original.
9: Sweetheart.
8: Love. Gets lethal. You have an unusual problem, Jane. You obviously want me dead, and I'm less and less concerned for your well-being.
9: That was lit from the trailer for Mr. and Mrs. Smith by veteran action adventure director Doug Lynn. The movie came out in 2010, but it has been recently reimagined as a TV series, so I thought it might be fun to rewatch the original, and it was. The movie, for the uninitiated, is about a seemingly ordinary, if exceptionally attractive, well-off couple, well-played by Brad Pitt as John and Angeline Jolie as Jane. They are bored in their relationship and go to see a marriage counselor in an early scene, we see the steaming scene where they first meet, described for the counselor. There's the first hint of how they irritate each other, as they can't agree on when it was. He, five years, she, six. The next caption plays along. Bogota, Colombia, five or six years ago. They met in a rundown bar with military men asking questions, and it looks like a good idea to feign that they are a couple to allay the suspicions of the men with guns. They are immediately attracted to each other. Flash forward back to the States and John is telling his friend and co-worker Eddie Vince Vaughn that he has met someone while he is boxing with another guy. Eddie is incredulous. There's just one problem. John and Joan are not what they seem to be to the outside world or each other. They are both secret professional assassins working for private agencies. During a routine job, they are unwittingly pitted against each other as they try to capture or kill the tank Adam Brody an asset wanted by both agencies. Their differing styles are on full display. He roars up in a dune buggy. She has staked out the site and apparently plans to hit the tank from a safe distance. He messes up her plan and they exchange fire. Soon they have been assigned by their respective agencies to assassinate the other. Then they discover that their target is their own spouse. What follows is an exciting, violent series of events where the two try to kill each other, and complications set in. Chase scenes, mayhem, destruction, a high body count, you get the picture. The entire venture is a lot of fun, and a highly choreographed, amusing story with a satisfying, if predictable, ending. It was Ray PG. Reportedly, they took out a steaming sex scene to avoid an R. I think they should have kept the R for the amount of violent contact. All in all, well, worth watching, or watching again, I hope the new series is as entertaining as this Mr. and Mrs. Smith, now streaming on Hulu and several other services. For WRT's Monday movie Review, I'm Harry Richardson.
0: Well, would you look at that, we've come to nearly the end of another hour of handcrafted local news right here on WORT, time sure flies when you're having fun. Our guests this evening, Jess Miller and Sarah Gabler, have one last word this evening and hopefully some people to thank. What's the news, Sarah and Jess?
3: Thanks. Yeah. Well, we're here to support you guys bringing us the news um, for this winter pledge drive at WORT. The theme this pledge drive is a weirdo for wart. And we want to tell you why your donation matters here to the station. It matters because it helps us keep the lights on. In a lot of ways, what we're asking you to help us do is keep the station up and running, the salaries that fund the folks that work here, the, the equipment that we use, the sound boards that we've been um, in the process of installing here at the station so that we can have the most up-to-date equipment um, and the best trained sound engineers and hosts that bring you the news that bring you all the shows, the music shows, the talk shows that you listen to at this station. Jess, what are some of the other things that these donations help support?
2: Yeah, it takes a village really to run a station like this. Our expenses run about $850,000 a year. that might sound like a lot. It certainly sounds like a lot to me, but it is actually tiny compared to what we would pay if we had to pay hosts to uh, host our on air, 90% of our on air shows instead of having volunteers do it. Um, 80% of our income comes from listeners like you. A lot of that, uh, as Sarah said, goes to uh, paying the seven full time staff members who train our volunteers, work on equipment, keep our financial accounts in order, and raise money for the station. Keeping that equipment up to date and in good order is another big chunk of the expenses. General expenses like heat, air conditioning, telephones, electricity, water are a third chunk. And uh, if you've seen our lovely old building here on Bedford Street, you may not be surprised that it is in need of a few repairs. We currently need to replace our very old windows, and we estimate that that might cost up to $20,000 or more. We wanna put aside some money for a new roof that will probably need to be replaced in the next few years. Replacing some gutters, strain pipes, and taking care of a few leaks in our basement are gonna cost a little bit. Um, As any homeowner with an old house would know, upkeep like that is essential and you can contribute to that right now. We're looking for just a couple of more people to donate here before the end of our news program at seven o'clock. You can call 608-256-2001 extension one to speak to somebody on the phone here in the studio or you can go online to wortfm.org. Just click the big orange donate button in the top right corner and make your donation there.
3: Yeah, it may not be sexy to talk about gutters and windows and roofs, <laughs> but you know, we want to be transparent with you about what your what your support actually means, how it keeps our house in order so that we can bring you the programming that you love, that you might find sexy because sometimes the building isn't. But we are here um, because we believe in the mission of WORT to bring you something weird, something off the beaten path something that is not dictated by corporate interest that is independent volunteer driven and community community supported we are truly handcrafted the news here is handcrafted I love that
2: yes and we just want to take this moment to Really extend a sincere thank you to all of our donors folks who've donated in this past hour and anybody who's donated today as part of our winter pledge drive we're going to have folks uh, in here for the next couple of weeks taking your donations but thank you so much for all that you have made possible at warts some of the upgrades that we've made in uh, the last seven years include upgrades to our broadcast equipment upgrades to our lobby our studios our heating air conditioning water heater and more all of that is happening because of you so Thank you so very much for your generous and continued support. Once again, if you would like to donate, the phone number to call is 608-256-2001, extension one. You can have us say your name on the air. We would love to thank you. We would love to send a message for you here over the air, or you can donate online at wortfm.org.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Give us a call. Go to the website. Um, become become a monthly donate, uh, a monthly donor. Um, You can do that. And, you know, for five or ten dollars a month, you'll support our mission. Keep us on the airwaves. Keep the roof on our heads over here at the station on Bedford Street. Yeah. Um, But there are other ways to get involved at war. Jess and I are both volunteers and, you know, we give of our time and maybe that's something you have a little bit of a little bit extra of and you want to check out the station see how you can get plugged in whether that's reporting hosting a show working the sound boards helping out in a myriad of ways um, that keeps this station doing what we do so that we can bring you what's special
2: yeah and it really does not take any experience in order to become involved you don't have to know how to work a soundboard. you don't have to have any experience in audio editing software you maybe to haven't even ever used a computer. One of our terrific staff will be happy to train you.
3: Yeah, yeah. And Jess and I as local news reporters, we've gotten plenty of good training here and it's brought us to the place where we can have stories that, you know, impact you and impact the community. Wouldn't you say?
2: Very true. Very true, Sarah. Yeah, it's 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 a very it's it's a great honor and a pleasure to be able to serve the community that I'm a part of by reporting news stories that might otherwise not go reported.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So 608-256-2001. I'm Sarah Gabler with Jess Miller, and we've been hoping to connect
1: you to our winter pledge drive. Keep those calls coming at 608-256-2001 and keep those web donations coming too at wardfm.org donate. Thanks for supporting the WORT Live Local News at 6 p.m. Your fundraisers tonight were Jess Miller and Sarah Gabler. Your headline writer was Nate Carlin. Your reporter was Ella Saf. Special thanks to feature contributors Harry Richardson, Brenda Conkle, Dylan Brogan, and Charlie Belosky. And thanks to Nicholas Leap for technical production and Bill Kingsbury for web production. Engineer Victor Calzoni got the news on the air. Faye Parks produced this newscast. And Sholly Pittman is the news director at WORT. I'm your host, Rachel Fields.
0: And I'm your host, Sam Swartz. Up next is the most freeform show on the radio dial, The Access Hour, coming up after these announcements. Have a great night.